be the savior. We have to be the one that's the rescuer. We need to just recognize who he is. He's high and lifted up. He's the one that we worship. He's the one is the great I am. He's the one that spoke the stars and creation into existence. He's the one that's coming back for his bride. Amen. So we exalt him and, and we worship him. And uh, what a beautiful, this last Easter <clears throat> was just, if you weren't here, um, I know that, and, and this is not a slam, um, it's a family time and it's a, it's a lot of people, were, and thank God there was some of you who are normally here weren't. Um, <laughs> I don't know where we're going to put you. It was, uh, it was so cool to be together in one service and just see the presence of the Lord and the power of the Lord and, and such a response um, to the word, amen, to the word, a response to Jesus. And uh, that's so precious to watch, and you guys, I don't think we're anywhere close to being done with that. Amen. I believe the Lord is pouring out his spirit, um, and it's not measured. I mean, he's just pouring it out on this earth for, I believe he's coming back soon. And it's his heart that all men, all women would come to salvation. Amen. And we get to partner with him. Right? He doesn't need me, but I get to partner with him. What an awesome, awesome call that is. And, and you do too. Every single one of us, we have been given that ministry to go out, to, to encourage people, to win the lost, to go into the highways and the byways and compel them to come in. Amen. So um, it's a good thing we have two services. Um, it looks like that we wouldn't be able to run one very often anymore. And, but yet there's still some open seats. So I remember Bishop Natuka um, Came to, a, came to California, we asked him to come when I, I went back to Africa, and man, you guys can be seated, went back and Af ministered with him, and he came out, <clears throat> and he said, the church should never be full, he said, if the church is full, the, 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 the people believe that the work is done, that the, work, the mission's completed, so if you look around, you see empty seats, your mission is not completed, the work is not done, Amen. There's, there's a world full of people, and there's a community full of people who are lost that need Jesus. Amen? So you get to be that um, first contact. You get to be the one who gets to go and, and share the hope that you have. Amen? The joy that you have. The love that you have, that which is Christ in you, which is the hope of glory. Amen? That's what people need to come in contact with. They don't need to come in contact with the same old uh, stories of the weather, uh, the same stories of the politics all the doom and gloom. They need to see Jesus in you. Amen. They need to see hope in you. They need to see that there is a, um, there's a peace that you have because you know, like, this isn't my home. I'm just passing through here. I have a peace to know, like, all the stuff that's going on here isn't going on there. <laughs> all the garbage and the stuff that we're having to wrestle with here, we're not going to wrestle with there. Amen. So we have a peace. Like, I mean, as, as bad as it's going to get, um, I'm not too concerned about that because I, I literally am walking with the one who created the heavens and the earth. I'm walking with the one who has the bird's eye view that has seen the beginning and the end all at the same time. So he's not worried and I'm not worried because I'm walking with him. But anytime I come out from underneath his covering and I come out from underneath and I let go of his hand and I think I've got this covered and I go running out there to take care of it is when we usually figure out really quickly um, we don't have it covered. <laughs> We need Jesus, amen? One thing I'll tell you is the longer you walk with Jesus and the more mature you get or the more learned you get, the more you should know and understand is I need Jesus. 
If you're learning and your education and your knowledge is puffing you up thinking that you don't need Jesus, you're in trouble. And, and he will gladly lead you to a place that you realize that you need him. Amen? Aren't you glad for that? Like, like <clears throat> the Lord has really redirected this message a little bit today. Um, we're going to camp out in a place that for Peter was a very, very dark moment in his life. Um, you could say it was the, the dark um, time of his soul. You know, the, the night of the soul. And uh, really, I wasn't planning on ministering much there, but um, to get started so that in some way, shape, or form, you and the next service end up somewhere close in the same spot. Um, I'm returning to, after Easter, returning to the gift um, in Ephesians, the, the fivefold ministry gifts. And, and today, we're going to start into the gifts of the pastor. And in Ephesians 4, 11 through 13 says, And he himself, which is Jesus, gave some... To be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. For what? What was the purpose of all those? For the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Who's that? Us. Till we, the body of Christ, all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man. To the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. This tells me I'm not there yet. You're not there yet. We all have some room to grow. Amen? And we need these gifts that Jesus thought deemed so um, good that as he ascended, he distributed the gifts. Because he knew we needed to be equipped. We needed to be built up. We needed to grow in maturity. Amen? And you're not going to do that with just one. He said, this is my plan. And, and each one of those gifts are a part of who he is. Amen? How many, how many think you just want a little part or you want all of Jesus? I want everything. Amen? I want everything. And the bonus material. Amen? So, so as we look at the pastors um, slash teacher, um, I want to share this. In the grammatical structure of Ephesians 4.11, the term teacher does not have the definite article as all the other terms of ministry gifts do. It seems the teacher is to be taken together with the pastor. Now listen, this does not mean the terms are interchangeable. You with me? They may be teachers that are not pastors. But there cannot be, I would say, lead pastors who are not teachers. You with me? In churches where there are several elders or pastors, some may have different ministries, like administration gifts, um, outreach, chaplaincy, etc. But the lead pastor will have a charisma, which is a, what? A gift from the Holy Spirit for teaching and of teaching. Now the word pastor and the word shepherd come from the same Greek word, poimen. The word pastor in the Greek poimen used to refer to the spiritual leader of a local church is found only once in the New Testament, and that's in Ephesians 4.11. Now, I told you guys that some time back, and I had a lot of people going, what? Only once? Now, however, the figure of the pastor as the shepherd leading the church as a flock is the Greek word poimeneo, and it's found several times in the New Testament, um, which we're going to look at a couple of them. John 21, Acts 20, 1 Peter 5, and there's quite a few more. But the idea of Israel as the flock of God, and as you can tell, I'm teaching right now. <laughs> the idea of Israel 
as the flock of God and Jehovah as their shepherd is common in the Old Testament, right? We see that picture over and over and over. And in the New Testament, Jesus calls himself the good shepherd in John 10. And is called the great shepherd in Hebrews 13, 20. The chief shepherd and the gentle shepherd. He's called the gentle shepherd back in Isaiah. And pastors and churches are serving as shepherds, okay? But pastors and churches, or poimen, or poimeneo, are under shepherds, under the chief shepherd. You with me? There's one chief shepherd, and I'm not it. I'm an under shepherd. And, and sometimes, some of you have heard me say, I would say us um, under shepherds are probably, because when, when I look at, at Christ as the shepherd, he's the good shepherd, I, I, I see like, if, I, if he's the good shepherd like, and I'm an under shepherd, I'm like a sheep dog. <laughs> like, to even be called like, that word is, is in, in line with him is, is like, yeah, maybe a sheepdog. So that's, that's um, I, I, it's kind of a joke, but it's kind of like, I like that just because there's a big difference, right? I don't think we should ever get too high and mighty thinking like, I'm like, you know, well, I'm the shepherd. Well, let me tell you who runs this church. The chief shepherd. He's in charge. I, I'm an under shepherd. Like today, how this is going was not how I originally laid out. But this morning when I got up and I sat down and began to go over my notes and I felt the Lord say, I'd like you to really spend a little more time here. There must be some folks here that are coming to the next service something that he's like, I want you to hang out here a little more than you were thinking. So I get the opportunity to either go, but I prepared all this other stuff and I didn't really study as long and I didn't go into depth in this whole other area because... Well, guess what? I go, yes, sir, Chief Shepherd. You've always led me well. You're a good shepherd, and I have a couple options. I can do what I want to do, or I can follow you. He's the Chief Shepherd, so this is his church. He said, I will build my church. I will build my church. Like, there's so many church building programs and stuff online that I get sent all the time. Like, you want to take your church from 150 to 350 in a month? Here, here's these tips, and we'll come in, and I'll train you, and blah, 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 blah. I had to have no pressure to do that because it's not my church. I'm not trying to build my church. He said he'll build his church. Amen? And if he builds his church, the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Amen? So I'm the under-shepherd. Now, I love, um, when I begin to really look at this, um, the first passage of Scripture that popped into my heart was, was John 10. And in John 10, he says, the thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. Amen. First things that we got to get set up. And this is some of the first areas that the, the thief will try to come in and mess with your head about. When things happen in life that we think should not happen. When our faith gets shook, when challenges arise and people die or they pass away and it was not foreseen or we think that is not fair, we will begin to, if we are listening to the enemy, begin to put blame and shift it to the Lord. And I know it's possible because I've even done it. And it, there's certain things you just go, why? What, did you, what the heck? 
And the Lord taught me such a valuable lesson in a very, very dark moment I was in one time. And he then wanted me to go minister into a very horrible situation. And I'm like, and he says, I want you to tell him that I'm good. And I was just, that ticked me off. I said, I ain't doing that. I ain't doing that right now. Tell him that I'm good. And I said, you know what? You're not right now. I was very honest. You know what? The Lord was so loving to me. He didn't yank me out of the car and beat me. I was on my way. (laughs) But he said very gently, son, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I've come to give life, an abundance of life. And I began to weep. I'm so sorry, Lord. I'm so sorry. Because that's the truth. He didn't do it. The thief did. So church, those are some things we got to get in your theology, in bed, in who you are. Because guess what? The storms are going to come. Stuff's going to happen. And you better have that already figured out when it does. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Now listen to what he goes on to say. He says, I am the good shepherd. I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. And then it says, but a hireling who is not the shepherd. Now that word hireling obviously can mean this, and this is what it, the wage worker. The wage worker means you're working for a salary. Now there's nothing wrong with working for a salary, but there's a huge difference between the good shepherd and a hireling and a wage worker. When you're purposely, how many have ever done a job and the only reason you were doing the job is because you needed money? Not because it was your desire, not because you enjoyed it. It just, look, I need to put food on the table for my family or I need to put gas in that car, so I just need to do this. There's a big difference between someone who loves what they're doing that is believe their whole purpose in life and they're willing they will they will lay down everything else to be able to do that amen that's what jesus says i'm the good shepherd but a hireling or a wage worker he who is not the shepherd one who does not own the sheep sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees and the wolf who who does this damage the wolf catches the sheep and scatters them You guys, Jesus left and then left his sheep in the care of under-shepherds. Can you? That's so much trust. Knowing the thief's going to come. Knowing. So he is invested in us. He is in each one of these gifts. But he's invested in the shepherd, the care of his sheep tell you what no one should say i want to be a shepherd if you're like oh yeah i just tell you what and don't get me wrong like i i love because because god has put that mantle on me but in my natural i would say forget you I don't want nothing to do with that. But I'll tell you what, because he has put that mantle. I love what I do. I don't always love every part of it because I am a human. And I'm not Jesus. 
I'm working that way, and I'm, I'm trying to submit myself more and more every single day to love. And here's the biggest thing. I'll be brutally honest with you. To love you all how he loves you. To love me how he loves me. You know, I can't do that in myself. It's not possible. So I, every single day, I must submit myself to him and say, Lord, teach me. Good shepherd, teach me how to shepherd like you. Lord, teach me how to love like you. And I'm so encouraged. We, in, in our prayer upper room this last Tuesday, we went over John 17. And he literally implanted the love of the Father for the Son in us. Woo! Guess how I can love you? That way. He's given it. And he's given it to you. When Jesus told the disciples, they'll know you. This world will know you for the love that you have for one another. Now guess what? If the world's going to know us for the love we have for one another, it better not be our love. Our love is conditional. Our love is like a hireling. As long as you're all doing good, I love you. You start running around being knuckleheads, I don't like you. What the heck are you doing? You know better. Why are you stuck in the bushes again? You, I've shown you. I've carried you out of there. We've cut the bushes down. I pulled the thorns out. Don't go back in there. Okay. What are you doing? Is that not what we do? How does Jesus deal with that? <laughs> he rejoices. When he finds us dumb, lost sheep, he celebrates and rejoices and brings us home. Oh, I love him. He is the good shepherd. And compared to him, I might be a sheepdog. The wolf coming and leaves the sheep. Leaves the sheep. Please. You guys, one thing I can tell you, I ain't leaving you. I don't know how good of a shepherd I am. I'm loving on you all the time and nurturing. But I'll tell you what, when the, when the wolf comes, I ain't going anywhere. I'll stand with you. Whatever comes, we're going we're to take care of it. Amen? When that wolf comes, and he's coming, and he's tried to scatter the sheep. Listen to what Jesus says. The hiring flees because he is a hireling and does not care about the sheep. I am the good shepherd. And listen, I know my sheep. I know my sheep. And what else does it say? And am known by my own. He says, I know my sheep and I'm known by my sheep. How many of you know your shepherd? Do you know him? Like, because I'll tell you what, like when the stuff hits the fan, the proverbial stuff that hits the fan, going to reveal what you know when you get squeezed is when you find out what you know amen when when it when it really really hurts and you go why did you do that reveals i don't know my shepherd as good as i, I ought to like thank god through some of those things i've got to know him a lot better and go i don't i i don't believe i'm going to do that again i want to say i don't think i'm going to do that again because I've had some other stuff happen since then 
and I didn't go down that road. I didn't understand. But I knew, like, here's what I knew. Like, the box I didn't have to get into was, is God good? I didn't have to even get in that box. That's already sealed. I know that's, I know he's good. That's a beautiful thing. I know my sheep and am known by my own. As the Father knows me, even so, I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. How good is he? He's laid down his life. Like, we just had Easter. We just celebrated that. How many of us, like, really, we, we know we say that, but to think and to, to love him that way, like, you have laid down your life for me. A, a miserable, lost, wretched man who there was nothing good in, who was giving you a big middle finger saying, leave me alone. You went in that time and laid your life down for me. Oh, how I love him. Amen? That's how we should. He has laid his life down for you. He took all of your sin and shame, and he bore it and went to the cross. And then gave us the hope of dying and resurrecting to show that, hey, it's okay. Like, I trust you to die. Like, and when we come to Christ, we're dying to our old self. We're going to baptize about 13, 14 people today. They're recognizing that my old life is done. It's died, and I'm burying it. I'm not even going to, I don't want that dude walking around. No, we're burying him. And there's a whole new man resurrecting. Amen? A whole new woman resurrecting out of that, out of that grave. That is what's happening. And that's what Jesus provided for us. He says, and other sheep I have, which are not of this fold, them also I must bring, and they will hear my voice, and there will be one flock and one shepherd. So Jesus is speaking to the Jews, right? He's speaking to his disciples. He's, guess what? He says, I have other sheep, which are not of this fold. Who's that? I'm one of those sheep. Amen? You're one of those sheep. He says, them also I must bring. What will they do? They will what? They will hear my voice. You know, I find it challenging that there's lots of Christians in different denominational setups and groups, and they say that God doesn't speak anymore. Earlier in this chapter, Jesus says, my sheep know my voice. And I remember the first time I ever really wrestled with um, someone like that. They said, well, God doesn't. I just blew my mind. I'm like, what do you mean he doesn't talk anymore? Like, are you serious? And I, and I just, I said, well, then are you even saved? They went, what? I said, Jesus said, my sheep know my voice. Does he not talk to you? Yeah, he talks. Like, and if he's not talking to you, if you're, you might not be a sheep. If you're not hearing his voice, that would mean, I'm like, that's concerning. Because I'll tell you what, when I got saved, oh, he was talking all the time about stuff I didn't think. I'm like, you care about that? Are you serious? Pick up the trash? And he's like dead serious about that. Like, I no, what, I am not, we're not okay until you do that. A little thing like that? Yes, son. Hey. You need to go ask forgiveness. What? That was dumb. Then you go try to pray. And he's like, oh, what are you doing? We're not talking. 
You think we're good right now? We're not good. Go do what I told you. You need to go ask forgiveness. We're not talking. Did anyone else have that experience? Or do you, like, Jesus don't play. He loves us, but he's very serious and he talks. And how many of you know, like, you don't have to wonder what he says. It's very clear when he talks. You're like, oh. And it's very clear when he says, I love you. You're like, oh. His sheep know his voice. And I love this. He says, there will be one flock. And how many shepherds? One. Isn't that awesome? Okay. So a good shepherd lays down their life for the flock. Amen? Now that's the truth for a good under-shepherd. Any form, any kind of shepherd. A good one will lay down their life for the flock. And as I was looking at that and pondering that, I felt the Holy Spirit just speak a very little word to me that it really made sense to me. He said, like a good husband. Like a good husband. A good husband will lay down his life. A good husband will stop, jump in front of a train, will jump in front of a car, will jump in front of a gun, will, will lay down, or means sometimes you got to lay down your pride. you got to bite your tongue almost off at times. I still got it, so <laughs> I haven't accomplished that one all the way yet. Um, but you have to lay down your life. That, that's, that's, the, that's, the mo- that's the picture. When Jesus said, like, what a husband, like, love your wife as I love you. When you lay down your life, right? Ladies, you think you've got it, t- like, the, the S word, the submit. It's such a beautiful word. I love submit. I submit to the Lord. You think, oh, you don't have to lay your life down. And husbands, figure this out. He's not kidding when he says, lay down your life. Like, he modeled it. What's the good shepherd? And, and husbands, feel free to, to end the rest of these points, apply. Because he said, like a good husband, nurtures a shepherd, a good shepherd, nurtures and protects and has a compassionate heart. Nurtures and protects. You guys, it's twofold. Nurtures means you see there's a lack. You see, like if you see some of those sheep, and they're, they're struggling or they're weak. You need to try to give them good food. Nurture them. Take care of them. Bend, mend up a broken area. Also protect. Hey, you know what? The thief keeps coming into this area. We better stand some guard there. We better, we better, oh, you don't have any armament. Let's help you get equipped. Let's, uh, let's put a sword in your hand, and I'll help stick for a while until you learn how to use this thing. People want to put the, the, the look of a shepherd of just, oh, kumbaya, I'm just speaking softly to the sheep, and everybody's, and yes, that's a part of it, the nurturing. But the shepherd also protects the flock, and he runs the wolves off, and he takes care when people are trying to destroy that flock, and he doesn't go talk softly to them. I, I, maybe next week I'll, I'll show you the, the, one of the tools of a shepherd. It's a short um, it's a weapon 
he'll go through and he just softly, like when he's counting his sheep, he just taps them on it. But it's about this small. It's got a real small stick, and it goes into a big ball on the end, and there's a little point. I got one when I was in Africa. It's the Swahili carry. That's what they carry to protect their sheep, and there's lions. And in their culture, you don't become a man until you've killed a lion with one. It's about that big. That means you got to be close. And I'm like, I like weapons. I like guns. Like, there's gunpowder's awesome. Like, I'll shoot a lion. I, I don't want to get close enough to a lion to hit him with a stick. I mean, there's a pretty heavy, hefty ball. But shepherds carry those. And they're not for, like, they're for one reason. To take care of the animal that's trying to attack the flock. So as, as, as much as they nurture, they also have to protect. And one without the other is no bueno. Amen? Now, as a shepherd, shepherds can get very burdened with other people's problems. I, it was so cute. We were um, at the upper room prayer. We were praying in small groups, and um, uh, one of the people, I won't say who, one of the people who was in my group that uh, we were praying for each other, they, they got done praying for me, and they went, oh, my gosh, the Lord just, like, this is, like, you carry a lot. I said, yeah, sometimes. Like, every single one of us. Yeah, that's a true statement. Man, I need to pray for you more. Yes, you do. <laughs> like, believe me, if there's any time you um, run out of things to pray for, I, listen, I'm not kidding. Like, the most, when people say, Pastor, I'm praying for you, I'm like, oh, 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 thank you. Thank you. And now hear me, I'm not saying, oh, woe is me, this is horrible, you get, no, I'm just saying, I don't have it all figured out. And I, I get attacked just like anyone else. I'm a human being. I have emotions, I have times where I feel good, I have times where I don't, I have times where I'm depressed. I have times, just like anyone else, that I'm on top of the mountain, and I'm like, woo, I can walk on water today, we're going to run through, where's the enemy at? There's other times... I want to be like Elijah and just curl up in a ball in the cave. And you know what the, the, the Lord told? It was so profound. You guys, someone needs to hear this today. It was so profound. You know what the Lord told Elijah in that spot? Get up. Eat. Sometimes that's what we need. Someone to come along hey, time to get up. Time to eat. Quit curling up on a ball. Like, that ain't helping you none. Get up and eat. Aren't you glad that the, the Lord will do that? And sometimes I have to do that. And that message isn't always easily received. Because we want to stay curled up on a ball and just pretend like nothing's going, you know what I'm saying? Like, or stay frozen. Fear will freeze people, and you just want to close your eyes and pretend whatever's going on isn't happening. But guess what? I can't let that happen. Because if you do that, it will keep happening. The enemy will keep chewing on you until he's devoured you. So sometimes the shepherd has to kind of go and say, hey, get up. you got to start feeding yourself. And we don't like that when that happens. I don't. How many like to get woke up? 
Ah. Now, I do like to wake up and eat. <laughs> I tell you, I wake up a lot easier if I smell bacon cooking. <laughs> At least a cup of coffee. Shepherds, they get focused on the protection and maturity of the Lord's flock. It's so, you, and I think you guys see that, like, that's something I, I, I want you to mature. I want you to grow. Like, a shepherd should be very focused on the sheep maturing and growing up healthy. Amen? Healthy and strong. Like, that's, that's the heart and, and what shepherds will do. And they want to cultivate environments that are safe for developing disciples. Like, you want to, a shepherd wants to, like, we want to put the, the and I, I just look back to Africa, like, um, you would see these like sticks and stuff, and they're just all jammed together. And there was, and, and over on those continents, there's like thorns. They're not like rose bushes. Like everything that's out there, some way, shape, or form, wants to bite you, eat you, kill you, point you, poke you. It's crazy. You get, and you're like, whoa. And you're like, oh, that's pretty. And then you see these thorns. You're like, oh my gosh. So they will take like and, and hedge in their flock. And they take all this wood, and it looks like a hot mess. And then you look in there, and you're like, oh, there's no way. I ain't coming through that. I ain't getting in that. Shepherds want to do that. We want to protect. We want to create, create an environment that's safe. Amen? Where you can come in and, and just encounter in the presence and the peace of God and get strong and get built up. That's good. That, that's, those are concerns of a shepherd. Some of the other gifts aren't as concerned about that. But the shepherd is. The shepherd's like, and, the, and sometimes to, he wants to just, let's keep everybody safe. But you also know, like, we're going to have to, and I think shepherds in this day and age are realizing that we can't just keep you safe. And we need the other gifts, and we need the other, to help encourage us, to spur us on to go, we need to actually go outside now, once they've been built up, once they've been developed, now let's go outside, we need to fight. Amen? But that's not fun for a shepherd. The shepherd would much rather be like, no, let's keep them safe. Right? Is, does that make sense? All right. I'm going to close up in this passage of Scripture. Um, I'm going to jump ahead to John 21. If you have your Bibles, please open them up and follow this along with me. Jesus is such a good shepherd in everything that goes on. Now, I want you to remember that this is a passage where Jesus is already resurrected, and it's kind of similar to the time we're in this week. He's already resurrected. Um, the, the, the thoughts and the dreams and the, the plans of the disciples were just shipwrecked. Um, Peter had pronounced that Jesus said it... Um, and Luke, he said, well, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be going, and you can't go where I'm going to the disciples. And, and Peter said, why? What? Oh, I'm going. I'll go anywhere you want. you're going. He, goes, I'll, he, he says, even to death I'll go. And, and Jesus let him know that, Peter, Satan has come, wanted to come and sift all of you. He said, but I've prayed for you. And he said, and, and when you return... When you repent, he knew he was going to do that 
and his heart, he, he, he said, um, when you've repented and turned to me again, strengthen your brothers. When you've repented and turned to me again, can, oh, Jesus' heart. I would be so ticked. Like, here, I've been teaching you and training you and telling you over and over, and you're going to, oh, I would have wanted to smack Peter upside the head. Don't tell me how you're not going to, you're, Peter, you're going to deny me three times before the rooster even crows. But Jesus' heart isn't that. He says, when you repent, when you return, look out for your brothers. Now we get to this passage in Luke or in John 21. And I don't I don't see Peter with the group until this passage. Now some of you other Bible scholars and teachers, you might be able to straighten me out and I'm okay, like you can you can tell me if I'm wrong, but any I don't remember reading any other passage where Peter is there. So may have been, but I don't remember but he's here this time. And if you're Peter and you and I don't know, I just think this is this is quite human. Um Peter being a leader, and Peter being one that um, was very boisterous and very strong, um, failed miserably. And, and they all did. But Peter began to follow at a distance. And this is where it happens with all of us. It says he began to follow at a distance. Then he began to warm himself at the enemy's fire. And then it wasn't long, and then he cursed God. He says, I don't even blank and blank know him. Three times. I'll tell you what, you want to talk about a dark night of the soul. Can you imagine? With the one you love. I mean, he had just before Jesus said, I need to wash your feet. And he's like, no way, you're not washing my feet. And, that, and his heart was right. I believe that was such a, like, no way. I'm, you, th- I should be washing your feet. And Jesus said, no, I must wash your feet. So then what's Peter say? Well, then wash all of me. Like, then, then wash all of me. Just, no, I, your resting's clean. I just need to wash your feet. But then Peter fails so miserably. And I feel Peter just is like, I'm done. I'm out. He'll never be able to use me again. And he just keeps distance. Isn't that what we would do? Just, I'm keeping distance. I don't, I don't want the other disciples to see me. I don't want anyone else to see me because I made these strong, bold proclamations and just like Jesus said, I failed miserably. I left him at his most important moment. So that's where we're at. It says, after these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. And in this way, he showed himself. Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. And they said, we're going with you also. Now, Jesus had already given instructions to Peter. He'd already given instructions to the disciples of what he wanted them to do, right? Here we are, and Peter says, and you, you know, you kind of, I can't hardly blame Peter because in his world, he's like, I'm done. They had left everything. He left his fishing career. He left everything to follow Jesus. And now Jesus is gone. And he thinks he'll never use me again. I, I walked out on him. So Peter does what Peter knows to do. And I think he makes a decision. He says, 
can't go back there, so I'm going fishing. And Peter, being a leader, what happens to the rest of those boys? They go, I'm going with you. We're going with you also. They went out and immediately got into the boat. And that night, they caught nothing. <laughs> a whole other message here. I'll tell you what, when, when you walk out and you leave what God has called you to do, you'll catch nothing. Listen to me. Whatever God's called you to do, and I don't care what's happened, I don't care what's come against you, when you leave and you begin to walk out on that, you'll catch nothing. But when the morning had now come, Jesus stood on the shore. Yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. And then Jesus said to them, Children, have you any food? Now, this term is, is a term of endearment. I would say it's almost like in the Hispanic culture, um, you'll hear like for little boys say, mijo, or for little girl, mija. It's very endearing. It's not a, I don't, Jesus isn't like messing with them. It's showing his care and his love for them. Almost like, boys, have you caught anything? It's the same terms you'll hear earlier on when Jesus is with the disciples and, and things are good and he's sitting down with them. It's, it's, he's reaching out to them and, and there needs to be, he's letting them know like, I'm a good father. My care for you. Boys, have you caught anything? Do you have any food? They answered, no. He said, cast the net on the right side of the boat. Remember that? <laughs> you, will, you will find some. So they cast and now they were not able to draw it in because of the multitude of fish. Therefore, that disciple whom Jesus loved, you got to love John, right? I just, John, I feel like, and we're going to talk to John someday, and I'm going to be like, John, I bet you wish you didn't write that. You know, he, he just has to give you these little things once in a while, like the disciple that outran Peter, right? <laughs> the disciple whom Jesus loved. <laughs> he has these little things, which just shows you he's a human, He said, cast them down the rice. Oh, therefore, here we go. Therefore, the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. Now, when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for it had been removed, and plunged into the sea. He jumped out of the boat. John says, it's the Lord. And Peter had a couple options, right? Like, I think I'm going to dive in the bottom of this boat and just wait till everything's over because I don't want to see him. But Peter's heart for the Lord and love of him, and it's him, and he, he, he just, I'm out. You guys figure the rest of this out. I got to go to him. And he goes. I believe the Lord was wooing him so powerfully, obviously, but he's bringing him to this point that we're going to get to here. He says, but the other disciples came in the little boat, for they were not far from land, but about 200 cubits, which is about 100 yards. So they're about 100 yards out, dragging the net with fish. Then as soon as they had come to the land, they saw a fire of coals there, and the fish laid on it and bread. Jesus had already prepared for them. Bring some of the fish which you have just caught. Simon Peter went up and dragged the net to the land full of large fish. Simon must have been pretty strong, I'm just saying. It took all those guys to get that net in the boat, and Simon just jumps over there. He's like, I got it, drags this net. He says, I got it, right? 
he's reinstating himself. Like, I jacked this up. Oh, I'll, I'll just be the guy that grabs the net. I'll be, right? He's not trying to make any profound statements. Just, I'll be the laborer. And he goes and drags that. And maybe he might think, maybe I'm not worthy to sit around the fire with the rest of you. I'll just go, I'll just go be the, the bottom guy. Jesus says to him, come and eat breakfast. Oh, my bad. He dragged the net, 153 all together. There was so many that the net, but there were so many, the net wasn't broken. Jesus said to them, come and eat breakfast. Yet none of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? Knowing that it was the Lord. Jesus then came and took bread and gave it to them, and likewise the fish. This was now the third time Jesus showed himself to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. So when the, they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, so they'd hung out for a while, they sat there and ate, probably small talk, right? But then it gets real. They'd eaten breakfast and Jesus says to Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? And he asked a very specific question. Do you love me more than these? Because Peter, in his pride, made a statement that well, they all might leave you, but I never will. Right? How many of you have been brought back to the Lord, bringing you back to words that you were said, that you said? So he, he says, okay, Peter, this was your statement. Do you love me more than these? And he said, do you agape me more than these? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He wasn't saying, yes, Lord, I love, you. I love you more than them. He was saying, yes, Lord, I recognize. I blew it big time. You're using the very verbiage. And he didn't say anything profound. He said, yes, Lord, you know that I phileo you. Jesus said, do you agape me? Peter said, Lord, you know I phileo you. And some people look at that and think, oh, you know, Peter didn't really love the Lord. I think Peter learned a valuable lesson. He humbled himself. He goes, you know my heart. You know all things. I don't need to tell you how much I love you. I think on a good day, like, let's, let, let me just be honest with you, Jesus. I really, really like you a lot. I love you like a brother. I love you like a friend. But I don't know that I agape you. What a beautiful statement. That's not a knock. So he said to him again, oh, what's he tell him? Feed my lambs. Now, I believe, and I don't know that this is so, but I believe you're going to see feed my lambs, tend my sheep, and then feed my sheep. I think what Jesus is telling Peter right here is feed my lambs. Who's the lambs? Now, we're going to think it's these little babes. I think he's talking about the disciples. I think he's talking because he had been calling them little children, my little boys. Those are The lambs, I think, is an endearment those who were super close. <clears throat> and I think Jesus is telling Peter, hey, you just led them all fishing. I want you to lead them where I've told you to go. You're supposed to, you guys are supposed to be catching people, not fish. So he tells Peter, feed my lambs. Now he says a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you agape me? He said, yes, Lord, you know that I phileo you. 
He said, tend my sheep. Take care of them. Nurture them. Protect them. That's what he's telling him. I need you <coughs> to be a shepherd. <coughs> right? This is what Jesus is saying. He's like, Peter, yes, you failed me. Yes, but I've got a job for you. Like, I've got to go, and I need all you boys to be shepherds. I need you all to do and protect my flock. So he's giving him some instruction. Tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you agape me? <clears throat> no, he said, do you phileo me? So Jesus drops the agape and says, do you phileo me? And Peter said twice that he phileoed him. <coughs> so then he says, Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you phileo me? You can almost read that, do you even phileo me? Do you, do you, Peter, do you even, do you even really like me? Like, or he could be saying, Peter, since you do, like that's basically all I'm going to need for you to take care of my sheep. And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. <clears throat> Listen, to, did you see a, such a change in Peter's heart? Lord, you know all things. Like, I'm not going out there and telling you, you know, you know that I love you. And then Jesus said, feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. What a good shepherd. Jesus goes to the one who had the biggest guilt and the biggest shame, who had the biggest mouth, who made the largest statements, and really made it a point. He said three times, he's driving the point home. For each, each time Peter denied him, and, and you can look at this and go, Jesus is really kind of like rubbing his nose in it. No, he's not. He's restoring him for each time that he turned his back on him. He restores him and it says, I'm, in, I'm imparting you to go and do the work that I've called you to do, Peter. Each time. Yes, you denied me. Peter, I love you. Take care of my lambs. Peter, do you love me? I'm reinstating that. Yes, you denied me. Peter, tend my sheep. Peter, yes, you denied me the third time. Peter, do you love me? Feed my sheep, Peter. He reinstated that. Isn't that beautiful? For each one of those offenses, and guess what? We're no different. Peter's reinstated in front of everyone. Isn't that cool? <clears throat> Peter denied him. He made bold statements in front of everyone. So Jesus, the first time, he brings everyone into the picture. Wasn't that awkward? Jesus, you think, man, that's awkward. Jesus says in front of all of those, do you love me more than all of these? So he brings everyone into that picture. He includes everybody, and he reinstates Peter right in front of everybody. And then he personally reinstates him the second time. He just speaks to Peter. And then the third time, he goes to Peter's level of love and says, Peter, are you at least my friend? You guys, he needs a lot less from us than, than we think. He knows, aren't you, it blows my mind. God knows that I can't love him or I don't love him the same way that, that he loves me. 
don't. I, I want to so bad. And like, if there's the most common prayer I've prayed over and over in my life, and I still pray to this day, and it's almost embarrassing to say, is, is Lord, teach me to love like you. Lord, I don't even love you right. I want to love you more. Like, that's, I think that's where Peter lands, and, and he says, here's how much I love you, and I'm not going to try to pretend like I love you more than I do. And that's all Jesus wanted. Okay, let's go then. I, I'm instating you. I'm reinstating you. The, the commission is yours. Go. Take care of my sheep. Feed my sheep. Tend my lambs. What a beautiful, like, of all the ones, Jesus is putting his trust as the good shepherd into the one who denied him the most. In the one who failed him miserably. I'm reinstating you, Peter. How much do you think Peter loved? Doesn't the Bible say those who've been forgiven much love much? Amen? close up here there was so much other stuff about shepherds and pastors but i don't think you can get a better picture of what a good shepherd looks like than that amen jesus the good shepherd knowing that each one of us like peter have failed miserably i can i could point back to a handful of times where i felt the lord was wanting me to, to be very bold and i was scared and i thought this isn't the right time. This isn't the right place. What's so-and-so going to think? Every one of us have done that. And don't you know that Jesus loves you? And he will bring you back to that point. Bring you back to that and say, do you love me? Okay, you do? All right. Now let's go do this again. Isn't it beautiful that Jesus told Peter ahead of time, You're going to deny me. I've prayed for you. When you repent, when you come back, take care of your brothers. <laughs> he wasn't shocked or surprised. And he's not shocked or surprised when we do stupid things. <laughs> I, I remind him a lot of times. I'm like, Lord, um, you know I'm just dirt. You made me. <laughs> Lord, you know, you knew what you were getting in when you brought me in here. <laughs> he says, yes, I did. I love you. Isn't that freeing? That doesn't mean you stay that way. It means you do what Peter does and you recognize like, man, I messed up. Lord, I love you. You still love me? You still want me to walk in this? You still want me to, to go about the call you put on my life? You still want me to be... Your, your face, your voice, your hands, your feet. You still want me to, people to look at me and see you? Yeah, yeah, that's the plan. And how will they know me if you don't love one another like that? How will the world know, you guys? How will they see Jesus if they don't see us at least love each other like that? You're never going to love the, the world like Jesus wants you to love them if you don't even love each other. Right? So we got to get really good about loving each other like Jesus loves us. Right? We got to be able to look through his eyes and put ourselves in the other person's, have some empathy, right? That's what that is. You put yourself in the other person's spot. You go, man, their attitude is lousy. They are rude. They are, and then you go, they must have been going through some stuff. 
right? Is it, once you go into that spot and you go, they must have been really hurt. There must have be, you're able to look at it a little differently and not be so offended and love for them, amen? Because most of the time, that's, that's the truth. Some people, I don't know, they're just miserable, and I try to stay away from miserable people. <laughs> but someone that's hurt, someone that, you got to be able to look past that and go, they're hurt, they're broken, they need Jesus. Amen? Amen. I don't know, I think, I don't know where you guys are at, but let's pray. Lord, thank you for being such an awesome shepherd. You truly